0: SECTION 34 OF A HISTORY OF THE INQUISITION OF SPAIN VOLUME 4 THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG A HISTORY OF THE INQUISITION OF SPAIN VOLUME 4 BY HENRY CHARLES LEE BOOK Eight, SPHERES OF ACTION SORCERY AND OCCULT ARTS chapter eight part two castile followed the example of aragon and archbishop Manrique fifteen twenty three to fifteen thirty eight added to the edict of faith six clauses giving in full detail the practices of magic sorcery and divination yet as late as fifteen thirty nine Sorello seems to regard the crime as subject wholly to secular jurisdiction for he warns sovereigns that as they hold the place of god on earth they should have more zeal for the honour of god than for their own and should chastise these offenders accordingly being certain that they would be held to strict account for their negligence the question in fact was a somewhat intricate one admitting of nice discussion in twelve fifty seven not long after the founding of the old inquisition alexander the fourth was asked whether it ought to take cognizance of divination and sorcery when he replied that it must not be diverted from its proper duties and must leave such offenders to their regular judges unless there was manifest heresy involved a decision which was repeated more than once and was finally embodied in the canon law by boniface the eighth there was no definition however as to what constituted heresy in these matters until the sweeping declaration of john the twenty second that all were heretical but in this there was a clear inference that his bulls were directed solely to malignant magic working through the invocation and adoration of demons this however comprised but a small portion of the vast array of superstitious observances on which theological subtlety exhausted its dialectics many of these were perfectly harmless such as the simple charms of the wise women for the cure of disease others were pseudo-scientific like the kabbalah the ars notoria and the ars paulina by which universal knowledge was attained through certain formulas others again taught spells innocent in themselves to protect harvests from insect plagues and cattle from moraine there were infinite gradations leading up to the invocation and adoration of demons besides the multiplied resources of the diviner in palmistry hydromancy crystallomancy and the rest onyroscopy or dream expounding being a special stumbling-block in view of its scriptural warrant to define where heresy began and ended in these to decide between presumable knowledge of the secrets of nature and resort to evil spirits was no easy matter and by common consent the decision turned upon whether there was a pact express or implied with the demon this only created the necessity of a new definition as to what constituted pact and in thirteen ninety eight the university of paris sought to settle this by declaring that there was an implied pact in all superstitious observances of which the result could not reasonably be expected from god or from nature this marked a distinct advance in the conception of heretical sorcery but it still left open the question as to what might or might not be reasonable expectation and it was merely an opinion albeit of the most authoritative theological body in europe discussion continued as lively as ever in fourteen ninety two bernardo Bassin, a learned canon of saragossa considered it necessary to prove by logic that all pact with the demon implicit or explicit if not heresy was yet to be treated as heresy in fourteen ninety four the repertorium inquisitorum in quoting the canon law that sorcery must savor of heresy to give jurisdiction of the inquisition still admits that there is no little difficulty in defining what is meant by savoring of heresy while well, even at the close of the sixteenth century peigne tells us that no question excited more frequent debate it is true that in fourteen fifty one nicholas V had conferred on hugues le noir inquisitor of france cognizance of divination even when not heretical but this had been a special provision long since forgotten the tendency however was irresistible to extend the definition of heretical sorcery and to bring everything under the inquisition in fifteen fifty two bishop Simonchus argues that the demon introduces himself into all superstitious practices and charms even without the intention of the man he admits that many jurists argue that it is uncertain whether divinations and sorceries savour of manifest heresy and therefore inquisitors have not cognizance of them but the contrary is accepted by law reason and custom for it is a well-known rule that when there is a doubt whether a judge has jurisdiction the jurisdiction is his and this matter is not exceptional inquisitors can proceed against all guilty of these offences as suspect of heresy and this is received in practice yet in practice these conclusions were reached tentatively in fifteen thirty seven doctor Giron de loesa reporting the results of a visitation of the toledo tribunal says that he has examined many processes for sorcery and desires instructions for there are a number which are more foul and filthy than heretical and even as late as fifteen sixty eight the suprema Enacting on the Barcelona visitation of de Soto Salazar reproves Inquisitor Mexia for inflicting a fine of ten ducats and spiritual penances on Parabona not for having used charms and uttered certain words over a sick woman. Such cases it says do not pertain to the Inquisition, and in future he must leave all such matters to the ordinary to whom they belong the tribunals evidently were less doubtful than the suprema as to their powers among the practitioners who speculated on popular credulity there were some called Zahoris who claimed a special gift of being able to see beneath the surface when it was not covered with blue cloth and who were employed to discover springs of water veins of metal buried treasure and corpses as well as apostumes and other internal diseases there was no pretence of magic in this but in fifteen sixty seven Juan de mateba a boy of fourteen who claimed among other gifts to be a zohori was sentenced by the saragossa tribunal to fifty lashes in the prison to six years reclusion in a convent under instruction and subsequently to a year's exile together with prohibition under pain of two hundred lashes through the streets to cure by conjurations or to claim that he has grace to effect cures to divine the future or to see corpses and other things under the earth whatever doubts existed rapidly disappeared it would be difficult to see where the heresy lay which earned from the saragossa tribunal in fifteen eighty five a public scourging for gracia malero because she kept the finger of a man who had been hanged together with the piece of the halter thinking that they would bring her good luck in fact by this time the omnipresent demon was held accountable for everything a case exciting considerable attention in fifteen eighty eight was that of elvira de Cespedes, tried by the tribunal of toledo who as a slave-girl at the age of sixteen was married to cristoval lombardo of yen and bore to him a son still living at seville subsequently at st lucar she fell in love with her mistress and seduced her as well as many other women running away she assumed male attire and during the rebellion of granada served as a soldier in the company of don luis Ponce in madrid she worked in a hospital obtained a certificate as a surgeon and practised the profession at Yepes, she offered marriage to a girl but the absence of beard and her effeminate appearance caused her sex to be questioned she was medically examined pronounced to be a man and the vicar of madrid granted a licence under which the marriage was solemnized doubts however still continued she was denounced to the magistrates of Ocaña. Who arrested her and handed her over to the inquisition in the course of her trial she was duly examined by physicians who declared her to be a woman and that her career could only be explained by the arts of the demon this explanation satisfied all doubts she was sentenced to appear in an auto to abjure de levi to receive two hundred lashes and to serve in a hospital ten years without pay in this the tribunal was merciful for hermaphrodites customarily had a harsher measure of justice it is thus easy to understand how the definition of pact by the university of paris came to be so extended as to cover every possible act that might be classed as superstitious all the old women's cures and all the traditional usages and beliefs that had accumulated through credulous generations trained to place confidence in unintelligible phrases and meaningless actions for any result greater than could naturally be produced if not attributable to god was perforce ascribed to pact with the demon Torre blanca thus assures us that in the cure of disease pact is to be inferred when nothing either natural or supernatural is employed but only words secretly or openly uttered a touch a breathing or a simple cloth which has no virtue in itself so it is with prayers and verbal formulas approved by the church but used for purposes other than those for which they were framed or even exorcisms or conjurations against disease and tempests and caterpillars and drought employed without the rites prescribed by the church or by those who have not the order of exorcists there is pact in the use of idle prayers as to stop bleeding within sanguine est mors or sanguis mana in te ut sanguis christi mansidince or of false ones as for headache virgo maria jordanum transivit et tunc estiphanus ei ab viauit, or of absurd ones as the old dana tadaris or the more modern abrac etc., or that inscribed on bread ir vivni Etc. Or that against the bite of mad dogs, hawks, pox, mocks. Suspect of pact are pious and holy prayers in which some extraneous or unknown sign is introduced, written and hung on the neck or anything by the wearing of which protection is expected from sudden death or imprisonment or the gallows also the use of natural objects which by their nature are not fitted for the expected results or which are inefficient of themselves and are supposed to derive virtue from words employed or are applied with prayers and observances not prescribed by the church and finally all cures of disease which physicians cannot explain moreover theologians decided that in sorcery there was no parwittis materii or triviality which redeemed it from being a mortal sin thus all wise women and charlatans became subject to the jurisdiction of the inquisition and no richer field for the folklorist can be found than in their numerous trials where all the details of their petty devices and spells and charms are reported at length there was the corresponding duty imposed on it to exterminate all popular superstitions throughout the land and possibly it might have had a measure of success in this if it could have treated these practitioners as impostors unfortunately its jurisdiction over them was based on the reality of their exercising demonic powers and their persecution only tended to confirm popular belief in the efficacy of their ministrations while the public reading of their sentences conmeritus spread abroad the knowledge of their powers and formulas End of section 34.